Folks, we're back here for another one. Should we do the DJ call it another one? Another episode of Mastermind on the Ad Creative Podcast. Now, why did people really respond to this last week? I think it's because we did a really rapid fire deep dive with a really amazing operator in the space, in the DDC space. And so we're going to do that again this week. However, this week we're focused a little bit more on brand. And so where finance is much more tactile, brand is more ephemeral and, and a little bit harder to wrap your finger around. And so we brought in two amazing minds that are building one of my favorite brands on the B2B side of SaaS in the DTC space, which is called Air. And so we have, we have Ari and Francis from the content team over there, and we really break down what matters, how you get your brand to be relevant, and how making sure that your brand has a voice in this market is something that can work for you today and will pay dividends both now and into the future. I think this is an amazing episode with a really amazing team who has their finger on the pulse of what matters, and it's a really special one for you to listen to. So don't turn that dial and make sure that you stick around with us. Thanks. Last thing before the fun, I swear. If you're looking to scale your ad creative going into Black Friday or just looking to automate the process a little bit, us at Pencil cooked up a little deal for you guys. Use the code AC15, that's AC15, at checkout. You get 15% off all paid plans for 12 months. And we want you to be able to, again, scale that creative. Um, now onto the show. So I am joined for episode two of Mastermind with Steve Jobs and Francis from, uh, from Air. Um, and uh, we wanted to make sure. That, I mean, he's not wearing his regular black turtleneck. He, he's he's changed he's changed it up a little bit. No, this is Ari from Air as well. Um, and these guys are doing an amazing job um, with their with their content. I learned so much from them, kind of just watching them from afar and then interacting with them. That I thought it would be a really interesting conversation ahead of Black Friday to talk about organic and content, both in the B two B side, um, but also how that that flows into. Uh, what DTC brands can be doing. I think um, DTC brands during this time are so focused on just getting their paid right without actually understanding that having a really nice organic strategy can actually be a really great way to flatten out the peaks and valleys of this of this period. Um, so I wanted to first say thank you to the uh, to to two of my faves for coming on, and uh, really excited to have this chat, gents. Absolutely, so, yeah. Um, so my, I guess my my first big my first big question uh, for you guys is, in general, like, how do you look at creating organic content and how it live how it matters for actually driving impact to like bottom line revenue? Um, and so I don't know who wants to take that one first, but it's something I think every brand thinks about on a regular basis. Is like okay. I know if I run a paid ad, there will be something that I can measure and have, you know, like a very, un, like a quick understanding of whether it's driving impact or not. My big question here is how should brands be thinking about that? Because they're looking at like, I want $1 in $3 out. Um, and organic content takes a lot more time than you ever think it does once you start doing it um, to do it well. Um, so I'll, I'll kick that over to you guys. Yeah. Um, I'll start and I'll kick D Francis. I think, you know, I think that at the very beginning of this kind of 
when you have this conversation, fundamentally, you have to, you have to sort of stop by thinking about thinking about how it's like, what's the one for one, what's the dollar in versus the dollar, out? like, fundamentally, organic is an investment, right? And I think anyone who's and so is building brand. I mean, that's what it is. Anyone can throw up a Facebook ad to sell their toothbrush, but selling a, a broader story about that toothbrush and telling the broader story about the toothbrush and telling the story around why the toothbrush and how the toothbrush and for whom the toothbrush, that's the brand, right? That's the thing you remember. And I think organic is such a key part of that, that often gets tossed to the side because, and understandably so, like it's a, it's a rough economy. It's hard to start a DDC business, hard to start any business. And before I was in B2B, I was in D2C, I was in a, I was in B2C and I understand, you know, I've seen very clearly, like it, it can be, it's a really hard thing to be like, no, we're going to spend a lot of time creating this TikTok video with no real uh, call to action, with no real drive for anything other than awareness. Like it's a hard sell in this, it's really a hard sell in this awareness in this economy. Like it's pretty absurd. I think that anyone you talk to though, and like, I mean, Steve Jobs, I don't know as a piss take, but like, fundamentally, like he understood actually really clearly, right? Like the value of building a brand and what marketing really is. It's, it's about speaking to values. It's, you know, talks about Nike never shows the shoe. Nike shows how you feel, when, you know, how you feel with the shoe. And I think there's a fundamental truth to that, that any brand, whether you're selling a toothbrush or, or, or garbage bag or, or software for, you know, creative uh, collaboration, you need to build a brand art to get people to, because that's what people are going to remember about you. They're not going to remember your Facebook ad, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Francis? Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's also, it's a mistake to worry too much about the one, one, like you look at some major brands like a Figma or a Slack, say go to their Instagram page and look at it and it's really pretty, but like the ratio of how many people follow them to how many likes each post has is nothing. It's terrible, but it's cause you don't, you don't need to go like their Instagram posts, you know, but like you are gonna, when you hear about them, you're going to go to their Instagram, be like, Oh, what is this? Scroll through a bit this looks good. I trust this. They've got a cohesive brand. It's telling me a story. And then you're not necessarily going to follow them. Maybe you will, you know, I'm sure the social media managers over there hope you will, but it's like, you're just vetting them. So I think even over leaning too much into like actual engagement on social can be a mistake sometimes because it's really just there as like a way for people to vet you. Of course you want the engagement and like that should be the goal, but you also have to realize that like, you're not gonna be able to manage all that. It's gonna fall through the cracks. Uh, but yeah, as what's important, like Ari said, is just having a cohesive story, something to relate to, something that will stick in their mind, uh, whether or not they actually like literally like the post, it's more about just building a trust rather than a, you know, a finger tap, I'd say. So something someone said to me recently um, that I think is really salient for this kind of exactly the points you guys made was brand creates demand, growth actualizes that demand. And so like how I right size that is you have to tell a story and you have to build trust. And, you know, they, they have this stat where someone sees something eight times before they purchase. Obviously, this is blended across the person who did it one time and then the person who needed 16 to 17 touches. And so like, you know, the blended, how many times did they interact with the brand seven, is eight times. And so um, that's a 2021 metric. Maybe that's more now. Um, but if that's the case, then it's we have to be available in multiple places for them to actually understand who we are. And you're going to say, OK, well, we're, we're running a really, really strong offer over black friday so is everybody else right so you're not unique 
and I've said this multiple times, and I think it extends to creative. I mean, extends to content and and organic, um, and organic creation is creative is really the single most defensible moat you have around your your brand because it's the only thing unique to you. You can copy a product, right? I'll get a product, I'll send it to a lab, they'll deconstruct how you made the deodorant, and I'll make the exact same thing. But I can't make Huron myself. Like that's, that's done. That's theirs. I can try to copy it, but they've already got brand equity that they built up because they have invested in interacting with customers and getting them there. The one thing, not that I, I take umbrage with, but that people will take umbrage with is get out of the one-to-one space in your head, right? This is everyone is thinking. Cause like, if you're a brand owner, you're sitting there and you're like, man, the dollars are going out of my bank account. And you're saying, well, why isn't this converting? So you say like, okay, well, your landing pages aren't really great. That experience isn't great. Okay, we can retool this, right? Okay, well, your offer isn't compelling. Okay, we can retool this. But people still are going to go look, for instance, they're going to try to do Amazon reviews. They're going to go and try to find other places to, like you said, vet yourself. How, so because of that that kind of uh, like, dissonance between a brand owner and and someone who is saying, look, organic is essentially building like strength around your brand. How have you guys ever thought about this or explained it to someone? Because that's something I consistently run into when I, when I push people, by the way, it's a much easier conversation today than it was two years ago to say, you need to build a brand, but there is still this kind of push and pull where people will say, well, I want to spend my time on running ads. And it's like, well, if you don't have a brand, they're going to click your little icon on Instagram, they're going to go look and be like, this is bullshit. Uh, and, and they're going to peace out. Um, well, how, how do you guys at least explain it to people when they're, when they're thinking about it, you have to have a good, nice little Twitter presence. You need to have, you know, a blog on there that like talks about customer stories. You want to have, you know, a full deck of reviews. You want to have a nice email cadence that people can interact with. You want to have, you know, your Instagram filled up. TikTok, I think, is still like people are going. Oh wow, people are going there, um, but it's not. Not every brand is really like hasn't built out their strategy there. So I'm being very long winded. My question, TLDR: How do you actually get people to who are going to come and say no? I, the data isn't doesn't support it to actually understand that because on a high level it totally makes sense, but like ground level, someone spending ten thousand dollars a month or making twenty thousand dollars a month in revenue, they have ten thousand dollars. Uh, to spend on ads or content creation. And you're saying, hey, cut off 2K of that and put it into content creation, but that will be evergreen and help you for say next three months because you've kind of invested all of this stuff. How do you like explain that to someone, you know, that's that's starting early on? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think now there's just so many like literal written case studies about that for any of those given channels or ex- examples out there. Um, like I, I always think about some of the D2C darlings, you know, like uh, Graza or Fishwife or Fly by Jing. And none of these people like run paid ads or, you know, like I know Jing is starting to and stuff, but they've, they've said in these interviews, like we, our whole first couple of years, we didn't run paid, ad, paid ads and it's been incredible. And like, we're just now hiring somebody for that. So you can see these examples that are like incredible brands that are successful surely you know partially because of these people's actual connections but also because they just had incredibly strong brands and stories and for content too like i know uh open phone uh they have this great case study on how they built their blog traffic over a couple of months and there's like that's just one you know there's so many out there so i think it's 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 actually really easy to argue you just go and find the case study and the people talking about how they did this thing um 
it's the proof is there. All right. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I completely agree with France. I think, I think, you know, I think at the end of the day, also, you, you can't do everything, right? And I think it's important to recognize that, like, when you're building, especially with your small team, you really want to focus on one or two or three places where you can go strong. I don't believe that one should just be everywhere, just because everywhere, everyone's everywhere. I don't think you have to be everywhere to build a strong brand. But I also think, you know, again, to make this a hypothetical argument, like, it's never been cheaper to, to and it's never been easier. It's never been more able to do it like this. You know what I mean? Like, ever in the history of this stuff, like it used to be, you wanted to make some piece of content, you had to hire a team and you had to go out and you had to do this. I mean, Chase, you're like a one man band. You're making a million pieces of content all the time. You're like an embodiment, a living example of this stuff. And so are Francis and I, right? To a degree. So I think the question is more like, how can you not? And you look at a platform like TikTok, we're on TikTok. Do we need, is it driving sales? No. Do, is it important to be on the world's fastest growing social media platform of all time? Fuck yeah. It'd be, in, it's insane. And what does it cost us? Very, very little actually. We also, I mean, we, we hired a, a, a young woman in college to run the account because she understands it better than me because I'm 37 years old. I had no business being on that platform. It's a young person's platform. I think mean, being part of culture is so important. And to Francis' point about these companies in the zeitgeist, like Graza or Fly by Jing, that's what we need to try to do. How do you get into the zeitgeist? Super hard, super hard. Easier-ish if you're like a cool brand like Graza, really hard when you're some weird SaaS company called Pencil or Air. Like that's hard. That's hard to be in zeitgeist when we're us. And I think we have to work harder. It's just, a, it just compels us to actually work harder and find more creative ways, find more interesting opportunities, find ideas to play with merch, uh, other partners, you know, dig into podcast, whatever. Like there's a million ways to do it. You just have to be, it's not about throwing more money necessarily. It's just about being more creative. I think that's a really great, from both of you guys, like a, a call to arms there is actually the challenge isn't, are you spending more money? It's more, are you willing to be creative? And so like in a world where you're strapped for time, capital, et cetera, if really the only thing that you have kind of to do here is say like, okay, I have this amount of time that I can allocate, but I get to be creative. It's almost like your fun time, right? Because you actually get to go do the things that you need to do. I mean, you, you guys have talked to brand owners. They're running finance and ops. They're running, they're running the marketing departments. They're running, you know, fulfillment. They're, they're doing everything. Um, and they don't get like, you get on a call with them and they look like, I don't know, like even if they don't have kids, they're like seven kids. Um, and they've just been completely run over and like, I really feel for them. And then I say, well, you know, you should also layer on brand and you can see their kind of heart sink. And I think you said, you said something, um, Steve, that, uh, I think is really important, which is like, you have to be a part of culture. It's not, it's, it's not an option not to be. And if you're not going to be. I mean, you should kind of like in this day and age, kind of fuck off. Um, and, and really it's, it's important to remember that I've seen a bunch of companies that I used to work with, et cetera, and they've been left behind because they haven't tried to be part of the culture. And it's not saying that, like, like you said, pencil air, it's, it's, it's a bit more difficult, but we also get a bit more creative. And so I think a, a great example of a B2B company that's done it, we're friends with all of them is like triple whale has made themselves very relevant continuously. And they just have fun, right? They're just having fun with it. I remember watching them for a bit and going back to our team and being like, guys, we are taking this shit way too seriously, way too seriously. We're like obsessed with how we report data. We're obsessed with like the language we use. And it's like, dude, run some ads, kick some ass, 
And that, that should be kind of the, the entire mentality that we take. And by flipping that, by the way, first of all, it unlocked us to do more stuff, have more fun, go out there and just be, be active. But also it kind of like opened the floodgates of people being willing to interact with us because we'd been so tight. And it's like, you just sometimes need to get a little kick in the ass to be reminded of that. But there are amazing brands that are doing a great job of this in both sides, both sides of the aisle, D2C or B2B. Um, and so I think it's, it's a really important one to remember that like, you have, you should want to be part of the zeitgeist. Um, like there's a company, I'm, I'm sure you guys know who they are. It's called the perfect gene. Do you guys know those guys? Um, they have like a really like very tongue in cheek, um, uh, like way of communicating. So you talk to those guys, they were on one of the episodes of ad creative before, and they just wanted to have fun with it. And they get a lot of engagement, both positive and negative. And so what I remember one time they were doing, they told me that they were doing the stretchy gene stuff and that they were getting a lot of like homophobic language. And so they started leaning in and be like, Hey guys, these are for everybody. And they would rather have the negative comments so that they can go back and say, you guys are not going to stop us from making jeans for everybody. And like, you have no right to do that. But it's like, now you have become part of the zeitgeist because you are for everyone and no one is going to stop you. That's, massive right especially for an upstart brand that's starting something to get people talking whether you're a lightning rod one way or the other it's momentum and i think that's the I thing say, i take from all this is momentum right yeah. francis yeah to, yeah to that i mean there was a whole new york times article about how uh jing fly by jing was replying to these like negative racist uh massages comments in her ads and a few other companies too but it's like it's you, you you just have to be loud and fight back and like it, it's you know disgusting and terrible that they were getting those comments but she leaned into it and like other people who were fans of the brand saw it and like you know really loved that she was clapping back and and then the new york times wrote about it i would say too uh, um going back to something you said a bit ago like about being part of the being how you have to be part of the zeitgeist part of the culture it's also like the triple whale you know tommy who does their twitter he's just on twitter for his own life all the time and it's like I don't, I don't know if he does their Instagram um, or if they like how active they are on Instagram, but it wouldn't make sense for that to happen because he's a Twitter guy and he's just on Twitter, Twitter, Twitter every day. So it's like, that's another part of it is like, it is real work. Like uh, when we started trying TikTok, I, I had told myself I would never download TikTok just because I knew I'd get addicted to it. And uh, Ari joined, he's like, no, we're, we're going on TikTok. You have to get a TikTok. And so I started doing that, but then, you know, you're spending hours every day to, to research what it is. So like whatever channel you're already on, like if you are on Twitter every day scrolling and you know talking to people and liking stuff, then like why would you not be doing Twitter for your brand? Because you already know the language, you've already done the research. Um, it's, I mean, it's an easy choice. I, the only thing I would say is that I think that the, the flip side, the challenge is that, especially in the B2B space, but actually in both, is that you actually have to have a real product and it has to be legit. And I would argue that like, a cautionary tale uh, is fast, right? Fast did a great job with social. They went all in. Matt Kobach and those guys went all in. They got 50,000 people following a payment platform. Who gives a shit about a payment platform, but somehow they built out through sweatshirts, right? We're all, you know, if you remember their like super aggressive merch plan with a, with a social play, everyone was like always talking about it. And they flamed out. Like it was, it was ultimately the company was a dud and, and doesn't exist anymore. And I think that, I think that you've got to be, you've got to be, careful like i think it's important to go big and be part of culture but the flip side of that you also have to be able to like you have to have a real product and in startup land it's not always a, a given that your product is actually legitimate like there's so many bullshit artists out there 
and everyone's trying to be part of culture. Not there's not enough room for everybody. So like you got to be. I think you want to be part of culture, but you want to make sure you're doing it in a way that's smart and that's true to your brand, and that your brand is actually can back up what you're claiming. Because I think that is where people get in trouble, and you see it happen in this space a lot with people like with companies like Fast. You know, there's other ones too. I think Bolt is another one. There's others like that are problematic, and you don't want to be reading a New York Times article about how you fleeced your people or whatever later as well, or how you just went up in flames one day. And like, that's also, you know, the flip side. I think it's, a, yeah, I think it's a, it's a important reminder to understand like everything cuts both ways. And so we're talking about invest, 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 like at the center and core of every single company, like you said, should be a, like a very distinct belief that your product will deliver exceptional value so that you can go out and, be brave, essentially, on every channel that you're on. I think one thing you said, uh, Ari, a, a while ago, maybe at the top, was you don't have to be on every channel. And I think this is something I would love to get your guys' perspective on how you guys have, like, niched down, especially, like, you know, um, on brand, you guys are, um, like, it's taking a pause as you guys retool it. Um, how have you thought about, like, what channels to be on? I'll give you a little sense of, of us. So... We had Instagram, like we, you know, we started off with everything, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, uh, newsletter, you know, all of this, we went full kind of horizontal, right? And we said like, okay, let's just go test all of these things. First of all, see what matters to us, see what kind of makes, makes noise in the market. So obviously LinkedIn got to be there, B2B, it's standard. Um, we didn't really lean into Twitter and then, oh, and then community, I would use also as like a social channel, um, as well. Um, or, or it's a kind of an organic channel. Um, and what we very quickly found was like the newsletter, we always saw a lot of click through, a lot of responses, and we started d diving into that. Um, and then we saw that our blogs would get kind of pretty good, pretty good stuff, but it still wasn't fun enough. So that's why we went off and started doing podcasts and some of those other things that would flow into the newsletter. And what we found was what we wanted to do was essentially have a hub for two or three channels to live in consistently with our biggest group of just people who are there for us specifically. And that was our, that was our newsletter. And so like our YouTube videos will live there. We have a link to our YouTube channel. Um, our podcast will live there. And then the different content that we will interact with and create will live there. Um, and so people can go there on a biweekly basis to like interact with us and then it flows out, but we niche down to Twitter. Um, newsletter and YouTube with a little, with a little, uh, salt bay of, uh, of LinkedIn sprinkled in on top. Um, but it was very much just like spray, pray, test, see what the data says and see where people are like, where the momentum is. Is that something similar that you would recommend to people or that you guys have tried or what's kind of been the, the strategy there? Um, I can do it. I think, you know, when, when I started, you know, I came from a retail convenience space. That's where I was working. I was running communications before. And and I think my approach when I joined Air, what really intrigued me about Air was that I thought, here's this really cool product and it was beautiful and intuitive. And they didn't really have a social that was like, uh, that was like a threaded into like the culture of it. I thought it was important and I thought it deserves it. Like it's, a, it's, it's really great people and it's a really interesting product. Like it deserves cool social and a, and a fun brand because it's a, it is a fun brand. And when I, you know, Francis and I began working together, like, I, I, you know, my goal was really like looking, surveying the space and seeing really how largely atrociously boring so much of the B2B SaaS space is when it comes to social, like so much of it. And like you said, we have friends like Triple Whale and other mutuals who like we obviously like and who I think do a great job. 
but like by and large, it's a lot of ones that are pretty pretty forgettable. And and, and I think that's that's a, that's like a miss in my book. And I think for us, for France and I, it was like let's test and see. We spent six months really testing on. We jumped on TikTok immediately. Uh, France and I were literally in Washington Square Park interviewing people. France wearing a cloud costume. We jumped. You know, we went heavy on Twitter. We started doing a lot, testing a lot on LinkedIn. We played with YouTube Shorts. We played on Instagram. We worked with some influencers on Instagram who took over the Instagram for a while and did a bunch of things there. Like we did a bunch of different things. We played with merch. And I, I, th I think that one of the things that we kind of came back to recently is, as, and to the point I made earlier about like, you can't do everything really well, is that we really needed to focus now on a few different, a few platforms in particular where we can kind of drive some measurable growth and really build out more of that affinity. You know, one of the best things we saw on Twitter a year ago, people weren't in the replies on Twitter. So when someone was saying, I hate Dropbox, is there another, not another option? And now we get people like you and Eli Weiss and Raba and whomever. I mean, all these great folks, you know, coming in and, and talking about how air is incredible. And my favorite part about this is actually a lot of people who reply that air is incredible aren't even air customers. They just like us. They just dig the brand. They just have fun with us because we fuck with them on Twitter. And that some people might be like, that's kind of a, lot, a miss. But like to me, that's like the best success story. And I think, again, another argument for why you need to be on these platforms is you want your friends in the comments, the replies, because people ultimately follow people, right? And they they know that air is Francis and I playing around. Like they'll they'll be maybe a little more live, like vocal and defending the brand. It's it also happens to be a great brand, but like I think there's something to that that I really enjoy. And, and now we're really focusing on Twitter and LinkedIn, um, really focusing, and in particular on Shane, our CEO's LinkedIn, because a big learning we have is that people don't give a shit about our corporate LinkedIn handle. Air's LinkedIn does nothing. But when Shane with his 8,000 followers talks about something he learned this week as a CEO or something that happened or a brand he loves, people really respond to that. And so that's something that Francis and I are really working uh, really hard on right now. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I respond to that. I always like his stuff. So now I know that it's not him. Uh, it's you guys. Um, or is, is it really, him? And you guys built, are just, really. it's like, you guys are just uh, we're, sculpting. We're all together here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're sculpting. I love it. I love it. Sorry, Francis, you were, I, I interrupted you. Oh, no, yeah, not at all. I, I was just going to say, I mean, it's it's really, I mean, it's really quite simple. And that's just about taking bets, setting like endpoints for those bets yeah. and then, you know, running through. It's like when you were in the newsletter the other week talking about like, you know, at the beginning, define your tests, define what you're trying to do. Mm. I think that's really all it is with any given channel. Like at first we were doing all these channels. I was initially brought on to do, to write blog content. And then even within that, you know, there's like certain categories of content you try, you see how, how they perform, how they don't perform. You stop doing the ones that don't perform and research to figure out new bets to take. And you take that bet and it's just, yeah, it's just like simple testing with like, you know, yeah. short term bets or, I mean, they can be longer term too, but it's like, try it, try whatever it is for a couple months, a few months, see, see if it works. And if it doesn't, you just move on to the next thing. No big deal. So I, I think two things, um, and, and maybe we can close off. I'm going to say this, my, my kind of summation and you guys like, tell me what you tell me what you think of it. But if I was a brand today and I was getting ready for holiday, so you know, we're a few weeks out from Q4 starting and, and it really starting to ramp up for everybody is you've either been testing on or, organic channels or you are thinking about it is think about where your customers are and where you want to be seen um, and, and interact with the most that you think will have kind of the, the most impact for you. Start testing on those things, similar to the way you test with ads, right? You're just gonna go and say, okay, I'm gonna test this, I'm gonna test this. I mean, I do it even on my personal Twitter, where I'll like say, okay, I'm gonna test some content. I'm gonna see if this hot take will will take, or I'm gonna write, I wrote a thread that I love that just DOA 
uh, the other day. Um, and it's like, okay, I have like three that are just bangers in terms of quality that no one cared about. And then just some crap I write goes off. Um, and so it's really about understanding and testing um, what works for those, for your customers, your target customers on those platforms. And essentially once you find the wedge scaling out that say style or angle horizontally into multiple different angles, if you will. Um, and you can, you can do that by yourself, right? You said it, you said, are you guys tested so many different things? It's like, okay, now we know that this is, this is the wedge. Now we're going to go dive deep on these things and really deliver, deliver maximum value there. So that's kind of my way to look at it. Choose two maximum three channels, start testing, you know, fast with just stuff you can do on your own, figure out where the signals are and then lean into those things because people will be going and vetting you to figure out if they trust you to go with your deal. Because Frankly, your profit margins will be completely ruined if you're trying to compete on like offer alone. You need to be competing on your creative kind of moat that you're trying to build around your business. And and um, that's what, like the most important thing to me. But I want to kick it over to you guys to see if there's like you have closing thoughts on that or if I'm completely off base. No, I, I would say I would say you're right. I mean, it's all about too. I think don't like don't. Over, don't put too much effort in at first like when you're experimenting you know don't waste all your energy mm, on mm. a few things that might not work but try it out and then like go back at it um but yeah i mean see what people like again like what, what like what you said uh when you were on the newsletter it's like it's not about what you like it's about what the customer likes your thread you mm. know nobody likes your thread <laughs> you loved it um no just just look for a positive signal and then like write three different like try to figure out what what the, what like what made it successful and just replicate it that was at the time of day you posted was it somebody you tagged was it you know the style you wrote it in was there some crazy hook like try to break it out into its component part component parts and then just try all those but um mm. yes spray and pray at first then uh you know you see what hit its target and then you just try that again as many times until it stops working and then you yeah kind of spray and pray again maybe and repeat yeah i mean i think it's right i think you know i think what i like about working in social is that it we it's not about what i like or what you like or what francis likes it's it's fundamentally the internet will tell you what they like and mm. to your point like you can write the dopest thread and have the best insight or the funniest take and and maybe or maybe not and i appreciate the brutal honesty of the, of the masses yeah and i think that it's the world's largest free focus group discussion. So we can really mm. throw things out. You know, we can really throw a lot out there and test a lot of different things and see what happens. And I find that fascinating. You're endlessly tinkering with things and ideas. And there's something that democratize, especially what I, I personally like Twitter a lot is that Twitter fundamentally democratizes the idea that any person, if they have an interesting enough take, can break through and make noise and then they become sort of a voice, right? And you can do that in mm. any niche space, right? Eli Weiss can be the man on customer uh, customer retention and success, right? Mm -hmm. Because he's figured out this kind of interesting niche that he's now an expert on. I think it's remarkable. And I think any of us can do that. Any brand mm -hmm. can do that. I think you just have to really have courage to and have the freedom. I mean, ultimately, it's, if I if I have a choice between a company, a, a huge budget or total creative freedom, I will take total creative freedom every single time. I don't care how much money mm -hmm. you have. If you have no freedom, you can't do shit. Especially yeah. on social, where it's such a reactive, immediate platform. If there are layers and levels, you're fucked. You're DOA. So I think, you know, the idea of having freedom to test stuff and knowing that 
again, the signals you get to your point, whether it's five likes here, reply there, it's indicating something. And there's something really special yeah. about that. So I don't know. Test test away, man. Test, test, test. Everyone, these guys are incredible. I, uh, I got ideas already. Um, and so I hope you guys get some ideas too. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Um, and, and cracking open your brains. Sorry, I'm always long-winded. Uh, you guys know this at this point. I don't do short questions. It's like a story that then has like a two-word question at the end. Um, so, yeah, thanks for bearing with me and uh, and sharing your amazing insights. Um, people are really lucky to, to get a chance to learn from you guys. So thank you, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Thank you.